No guilt in life. No fear in death. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, grave, where is thy sting? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he dies, will live. He who lives and believes in me will live forever. Then he asked, do you believe this? Amen. 43 years ago, I was sitting about the third pew back in a little wooden pew at a Baptist church. And I was listening to Pastor Hayden. When he started to preach, I stood up in that pew and listened to his sermon on the resurrection of Christ. That sermon has made all the difference in my life. Fifteen years ago, Edwin Shandra sat in the back pew back there wondering if he should run forward or run for his life out the doors. He put his faith in Jesus Christ in this resurrection. Last Sunday, a man named Sherwin ran into Edwin and Leo Zaragoza, and they told him about this resurrection life. He put his faith in Jesus that Sunday and was baptized this Good Friday. I want to tell you about two little kids. One, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little German girl about five years old. One brown-eyed, brown-haired, three-year-old little Mexican boy. Born worlds apart, but destined to be together. The little girl came from a middle-class family, from a loving mom and loving dad. Had all of the cares that she needed taken care of. Food, clothing, running water. Discipline, love, laughter. The little boy came from a transient family. Mother and father addicted to drugs, going from drug house to welfare homes to welfare hotels, often living homeless. He was often left alone with his siblings. Sometimes, from what we understand, from what the kids have, told, have said, is that they were huddled up behind a couch in shelter or sheltered in a room because of a vicious dog wandering the halls. This little girl and this little boy born worlds apart, but were destined to be together. The, message of, the name of this message, this sermon today, is what difference does it make? Have you ever heard a teenager say, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if I come home at 10 p.m. or 2 a.m.? What difference does it make, Mom, if I date that girl? What difference does it make, Dad, if I wear that tight little miniskirt? What difference does it make if I smoke a little pot? What difference does it make if I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Today we'll look at faith and hope an object of faith and hope that will bring a life to despair, and we'll take a look at the object of faith and hope, a living hope that is brought by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then we'll take a glance at how hope can get us through trials, and I'll finish with the Easter story of these two little children, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Let's take a look first at what it looks like when you put your hope in the wrong object. Maybe you've spent your life putting your hope in getting that awesome high that you've heard about. Maybe you've experienced that awesome high and you wanted it again, so you've been spending your life and your time and all of your wealth and resources trying to get that high one more time. Oh, sure, you've been smoking dope, you've been eight-balling, you've even had the great experience of having coke buds, bugs, bugs crawling up and down your skin because of the hallucination brought on by drugs. Oh, what a great experience that must have been. Maybe your hope has been looking at another woman. My wife doesn't satisfy me anymore. Oh, she's got to be better for me. I deserve better than this. Maybe your hope has been in that object that you'll get her and she'll fill all of the needs that you've always wanted. Maybe you put faith in getting rich, having wealth, filthy wealth. Wealth beyond measure has been your hope, has been your pursuit. No matter who it's hurt, no matter who it's left behind, no matter what relationships it's damaged, you've served mighty George. All this money, all of this money has got to answer all my problems. This money has got to cure all the ailments that I have. It's got to bring me great joy. Why would you put your hopes in things that would disappoint you, things that are fading and fleeting, things that will not remain, things that one day may even take your life. You wonder what you've put your hope in? There's a small little test you can take right now while you're sitting there. This test of your faith, what, you, what is the object of your hope? What are your thoughts most constantly on? What are the things that you think about the most? What are the things that takes up your time when you're done with work, when everything's ready and you're relaxing, the things that occupy your mind? That's where you're putting your faith and your hope. That's what's taking your time. There's a problem when you put your hope in the wrong object, when you put your faith in the wrong object, when you desire more of this world and not Christ. There's a bad news that comes with this resurrection gospel. There's a bad news. You got to know bad news before you can know good news. Do you realize that? Let, let me show you an example. All of us are on a cruise ship together. And I come running down at 3 a.m. knocking on everybody's door, waking you all up. And when I wake you up, I say, get off the boat, jump, take a life raft, go Run, run, and you run out of your rooms, you jump in a lifeboat, and as you're being lowered down to water, you're wondering, why am I doing this? <laughs> what was the problem? 
Some crazy man running up and down the hallways told me to do this at 3 a.m. in the morning, but there's no emergency. I would be a fool beyond degree if I did that, and I think you would agree. But what if I came terrorizing through your cabin, yelling and screaming, there's a fire on the ship. Run for your lives. Run, take a rescue boat. Go, you got to be rescued. Run, the lifeboat will save you. Grab hold, go with it. Only when there is bad news does the good news make sense. Let's take a look at this good news. This good news is found in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' earthly ministries, he called God Father everywhere throughout the scriptures. Everywhere. Every time he talked about the Father, every time he brought up the Father's kingdom, it was Father, Father, Father. There's only one time when he called him God. One time when he was on the cross, when he was crucified, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe there's two reasons for this. One, so that you would know specifically beyond a shadow of a doubt that Psalms 22 was written about Jesus' life and crucifixion. And two, to make the pinnacle of an emphasis that this father he's been talking about his whole life is, in fact, God. Peter goes on, and he says, in his great mercy. You see, Peter was one who understood this great mercy. He wanted you to understand this great mercy. You see the emphasis on mercy? Peter is overwhelmed by it. It is so awesome. It is a great mercy, and he wants you to know the importance and the satisfaction and the deliverance that he received from this mercy. Have you ever been in a situation when you needed a little bit of mercy? Have you ever been driving along nicely on the highway and you see the red lights in your mirror? And you're getting pulled over. What's the first things that come out of your mouth? Dear Lord, don't let that policeman write me a ticket. I just need a little bit of mercy today. My kids threw up on my suit this morning. I had to wash it. I'm running to work. I just need a little bit of mercy this morning. Oh, please, please, officer, don't write me a ticket. Show me a little mercy today. There is mercy in you, isn't there? You're a peace officer, right? <laughs> Peter, having run with Jesus for three action-packed years, he saw mercy given to thousands. He heard the sermons. He knew who God is and who God was and who God will be. He saw the miracles and experienced Jesus, ate with him by his side. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, he knew that Jesus was come to be the Messiah, Emmanuel, Christ, God in the flesh, living and dwelling among us. But Peter, but Peter faced a trial. He faced a trial, and he fell flat on his face. You see, Thursday night, when they arrested Jesus, Peter was ready to stand at Jesus' side and rescue him. He said, I'll stand with you even in the face of death. But when they took Jesus away, 
when they crucified him on the cross, Peter was hopeless. He was without hope. And looking at Jesus, he was thinking, there's the end of the hope. There's the end of the hope of Israel being saved, of the occupation being removed by the, being removed, removing the Romans from the occupation of Israel. There goes the hope. Christ is dying. He will die, and that will be the end. How can I go up there and rescue him? He even went so far to curse and to swear and say, I don't know this, Jesus. Leave me alone. He forsook his promise to stand by Jesus' side. Saturday morning came. When the sun came up, the apostles, the disciples probably met as usual, and they all looked to Peter. And Peter said, let's go fishing. He even led the disciples away, the ones that you would think would have the most faith in Christ. Peter, the strongest one there that knew this was the Messiah. Oh, where would you go, Peter? Should we go find him? No, let's go fishing. Our hope is dead. Christ is in a tomb. God with us in flesh has been murdered. He is gone. There is no more hope, only disappointment. Little did he realize that Sunday was coming. Little did he realize that the morning would bring mercy anew. When Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, to per put perfumes on his body, they went up and they saw that the tomb rock had been rolled away. And when they glared inside, Jesus was not there, and a man standing in brilliant clothing asked them what they were looking for, and they said, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? And he said, Jesus has risen from the dead. With great joy, Mary and Mary left and went and found the disciples and went and found Peter and Peter and John ran to the tomb to find an empty tomb. And as they rushed to the tomb, they found it empty and wondered where their Messiah was. When Jesus found Peter fishing again, he called them to the shore and talked to him. That conversation, in short, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. He restored Peter, showed Peter great mercy and forgiveness, and gave Peter an assignment, an assignment to feed God's sheep. In that assignment, Peter wrote 1 Peter. That's the text that we're working out of today. We want to look at five different aspects of this hope that is brought by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want to look at number one, the effect. The effect of being born again. Born into this living hope is an inheritance will never, which will never fail, perish, spoil, or fade away. This inheritance is kept in heaven by God himself. This inheritance will never rust. Moths will not eat and thieves will not break in and steal. It is protected, it is guarded like a garrison, 
a military garrison guarding it, which will never be lost because God stands as the guard. It's unlike the promised land. The promised land was promised to Abraham, a physical place here on earth. Here is Canaan. This is the promised land I will lead your people into. Right here on earth, you can touch it, you can smell it, you can feel it, and you can see it. Oh, our promise can't be on here on earth. Because if you take a look at Israel's history, you'll notice that over the past 2,500 years, Israel has been perishing under the destruction of vast armies. Assyria, Babylon, Rome, England, and is now under attack even by radical Islam who wants to wipe the Jewish nation off the face of the earth. Israel has been spoiled. Where do you find this land flowing with milk and honey? If you see the land of Israel, you'll look at it and it looks like a desert a desolate spot, a God-forsaken country. There is no vines, grape vines that, can be, that have to be uh, carried by two men in order to carry one vine. Where is this land flowing with milk and honey? It is faded from its former glory. Where is the temple of God? Where is the temple where God's glory resided in Israel? It has faded, and it is gone. So our promised inheritance cannot be a place on this earth. It is a place reserved for us and kept in heaven. As we look at this type of hope that Peter is talking about, we look at Psalm 43. This hope comes from God. You're asking, okay, there's a hope, but how do I have this hope? How do I attain this hope? Psalm 43 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, to get this hope, God needs to be the ultimate object of your hope. He needs to be the ultimate object of your faith. Why put your faith and hope in things that will perish and fade and disappoint and maybe even take your life? Put your hope in the God who supplies an endless hope. Put your hope in the God who is eternal, who will never fade away, into a God who will be there forever for you. Put your hope in God. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? This hope that you put in Jesus Christ is a hope that will calm your disturbed heart, will bring up your downcast soul. Romans 15, 13. How, are you sh how can you be sure of this hope that Easter brings? If you ask a Christian, how do you keep hoping? How come your hope never fades? Are you Superman? Are you eternally hopeful all of the time? How do you do it? How do you maintain it? What? What? How do you have it? Ask a Christian. Don't ask just any Christian. Walk up to a Christian you know for sure believes this message. 
and they'll give you two verses to turn to. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. When you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed in this gospel, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see, when you put your faith in this redemption, when you put your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the power of God that brings this living hope, you are seared with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. Your spirit has been seared with the Holy Spirit, and you can't shake the hope that's been given to you. The Holy Spirit keeps it sealed within you, and when you're down on your worst day, when you are hopeless and can't seem to find the strength to move on, it's the Holy Spirit and God's joy within you that gives you strength to face another day. We don't do it on our own power. We can't. We're mortal. We depend on God. We depend on the salvation bought, brought through this resurrection. Number three, this hope endures. Romans 15, 4. Everything that was written in the past. Is the Old Testament outdated and useless? No, right here. Romans is telling us everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Brothers and sisters, if you are discouraged, if you are downtrodden, if your soul is downcast within you, turn to the power of the living word so that it can bring encouragement to your heart, so that it can give you endurance to face another day. This living hope gives us courage and endurance. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Why? Because when he was crucified on Friday, when he was laid in a tomb, when his body was dead as a rock, that tomb could not keep him. Death could not keep him down. Put your hope in something that is eternal. Death couldn't hold him because he's God's son. That tomb couldn't hold him because he is God. Put your faith in something eternal. Put your hope in Christ. This encouragement endures while everything else fades away because the God of our and Father of our salvation makes it endure. Number four, this hope is meant to be shared. When we're talking about this little boy and where he's coming from, somebody, somebody, please, Somebody share that faith with him. 1 Peter 3, 15. 
Somebody needs to tell him about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody even needs to tell that little girl about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because they're both headed to a Christless eternity where there's a weeping and gnashing of teeth. 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Brothers and sisters, this living waters is not meant to be hoarded and kept within us. If you keep living waters in you, the living waters die. You die. If you take a look at the Dead Sea, living waters flow into the Dead Sea all the time, every moment of the day, year round. But it is the Dead Sea because it does not let the living waters flow out of it. You, brothers and sisters, need to let this living waters flow out of you. Share that faith and that hope. Oh, yes, Jesus was crucified on Friday, but there was Sunday was coming, and the hope and salvation comes from Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Share this hope with those who are lost. Number five, this hope is fulfilled in Christ's return. Titus 2, 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. As you look at this, Jesus is saying that you are his inheritance. You are the one that he is redeeming from wickedness. You are the one that he wants to call his very own. If you look around at your neighbors right now, would you look at them and say, wow, you would be my inheritance? Just imagine, say we turn this into a room where all of us had to stay with all of our children. You know where I'm going with this? We had to live here for the rest of our lives. We had to go to work, come back. We had to change diapers. We had to cook food. We had to keep the place clean. We had to make sure everybody had a place to lay down and sleep. How long do you think we would get along? It doesn't seem like we would be much of an inheritance, does it? We can't even live together very long. Has anybody ever had roommates or family live with them? How long did it last? I've had the experience of both. I'm a hard person to live with. But Christ says, I have put ultimate value in you. I have sealed you with my Holy Spirit, and I want you. I will redeem you. I will come for you, and you, yes, you, me, will be his inheritance, his reward. What an amazing thought. We'll see this fulfilled in Christ's return. You know, there's one thing that constantly comes up when you share the gospel. One thing that seems to stumble us every time they ask the question, what about suffering? Why is there suffering in this world? Why do innocent people suffer? There's not a whole lot of good answers for it. 
Sin is the reason, is the only answer. Sin has come into the world and ravaged us. It is polluting us. It is killing us. It is taking our lives. We have been sinned against. We've sinned against others, and we have been wounded, and sin has taken its toll. We have suffered in this life because it is a fallen world. But Peter is telling us by this great mercy through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have a living hope that will carry us through this suffering, this sin, this sin that others have, this sin that I have, this sin that you have, is the very reason Christ came to be crucified. It's the very reason he conquered death so that sin can no longer keep its claws on those who love Jesus Christ. It's an incomparable joy, an incomparable hope, an incomparable faith that sin cannot destroy because God keeps it. His Holy Spirit reminds us and strengthens us of it. It is, a, it is news. It is effectual news that changes men's lives. It is effectual news that a little boy and a little girl need to hear. Let's take a look at Romans 5, 3. This is a hope that brings rejoicing to the soul. This is a hope that brings rejoicing to the soul, a joy that continues. Romans 5, 3, we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character produces hope that brings joy and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Oh, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of suffering, a Christian can have hope. A hope that is enduring, a hope that lasts. Romans 8 no matter what trials we may face today, it gives us inexpressible joy today, knowing that we face today with an, that is, we face today with an incomparable joy, with the experience that we know that the resurrection is true. Psalm 71. Oh, this is an incredible Psalm. 71, verse 20. It's amazing that somebody is looking at God. You don't really know if he's angry. You really don't know if he's happy, but he's stating the truth of his troubles. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. This hope that we put in Jesus Christ, this hope that comes from the resurrection, this great mercy that Peter is talking about is a hope that will not leave you in a grave. For Christ will come again and will see the fulfillment of this hope when he returns and raises us from the dead. This is a hope that doesn't disappoint. 
because of God's love. It is a living hope made complete by Jesus' return. It's made complete when you are resurrected and you are sat next to the King of Kings. That's just a small glimpse into this living hope. There's more. We can go on. The Apostle Peter was anxious for us to know this. He was anxious to write it, that all who read it would understand that you can have this living hope today. Let's go back to this little boy and this little girl. Though they were born worlds apart, they were destined to be together. You see, this little girl has a beautiful mommy, intelligent, spunky. Her daddy, maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed, but she knows that he's, she's her princess. She's his princess. This little five-year-old girl had a drug problem. Yes, she had a drug problem at the age of five. She was drugged to Sunday school. She was drugged to Awanas. She was drugged to Children's Church. She was drugged to Children's Choir. She had a drug problem that her parents would not leave her where she was, but drug her to everything that they could so that she would know Jesus Christ. Amen. This little boy at the age of three didn't have this hope. Hasn't heard the stories that she heard, hasn't had the experiences that she's had. He needed Jesus Christ desperately in his life. It wouldn't look like it, it wouldn't seem like it, but that little girl desperately needed Jesus Christ in his life, for there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. The hope of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. The hope that the parents had of this little girl. This little girl came to mommy and daddy one day and said, Mommy and daddy, I want a little brother. What a Pandora's box that can be. Well, the mommy and daddy got down on their face and their knees and they prayed. They researched it. They went to classes and they studied about it. And they came to the day for them to adopt a little boy. But they didn't get just one little boy. They didn't get two little boys. They didn't get three little boys. They got three little boys and a little girl through this foster care process. I'll tell you about the other little kids at another time, but I want to focus on this little girl, this five-year-old, and this little boy, this three-year-old. See, as the process went through, this little boy came to their home. Wasn't potty trained. A three-year-old couldn't talk. I have a three-year-old grandson, and he talks my ears off. This little boy was practically mute, bounced around in foster care, bounced around between foster care workers on an average of a new one every two months for the three years of his life. This little boy couldn't trust any adult, and he decided to remain mute decided not to talk, but instead would throw screaming tantrums and fits. Some of these tantrums and fits, a little kid would take away his toy and he'd fall on the ground and cry and scream. Not for five or 10 or 20 minutes, up to 30 minutes at a time. There was no comforting this little boy. Reminds me of that song. 
Oh, my soul, why are you downcast within me? Somebody needs to show this little boy a hope. But you know what? As these parents went through the process of adopting this little boy, do you realize that the sister, the five-year-old sister, had to make sacrifices? She had to give up things. She no longer had just mommy and daddy to herself. She no longer had her toys to herself. She found her dollies headless at times. She had to give up her own comforts. Jesus Christ, your older brother, gave up everything for you. That you might understand that he gave up his whole life. He gave his life as a ransom for those who put their faith in him that they might have eternal salvation and have a living hope that lasts forever. I would hope today that if you're a prodigal son or daughter, you would understand that you are my brother and my sister. That you would understand that this is the house of God. That if you're a prodigal and you've been running from Christ and you're saying, I knew Christ at one time, but I don't understand this living hope. It didn't last in me. Come home. Come home and we'll help you understand the salvation that you have, this hope that lasts and endures for eternity. If you are here and you're wondering, oh man, I endured, it's almost over, I got 10 more minutes. This is it. One day I come to church and I'll be able to escape like Edwin wanted to do 15 years ago. Know that we don't want you to leave. We will beg, we will plead, and we'll ask you, please stay around. Please don't leave this time. Don't leave this church today without making your salvation sure through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And you will not be left behind. Oh. Realize that sin has separated you from God. Sin has separated you from this hope, this living hope. But you can have this living hope by putting your faith in Jesus Christ who died for your sins and who raised on the third day to conquer death that he might give you life eternal. Don't go to a Christless eternity. Hebrews 10, 26 says that all the enemies of God will perish in a lake of fire. Oh, right now, repent of your sins and turn to a living God who wishes none to perish. Don't waste one day. Don't waste one hour. Don't waste one more minute. Come running. Come running to this Christ who loves you. Don't wait one more minute. Come running to have this faith and this salvation and a living hope imparted to you. Psalm 146 says, Blessed is he whose help is God, the maker of heaven and earth. He remains faithful forever. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will never die, will live even though he dies in this life. And he who lives believing in me will live through eternity, will have eternal life. And his question is, do you believe this? If you believe this, don't hesitate. Come running to the mercy seat of Christ.